0: Welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm Jack Draper. With me is the heroin addict taking me to Venice, Taylor Harford. Uh, yeah, what, what have you been watching recently?
1: You know, of all the introductions we've had <laughs> thus far, the heroin addict uh, being myself, that, that might top them all of things that I don't want people in my life to refer to me as.
0: Is this better or worse than the terrorist last week?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I mean, a tough that's, one. That's terrorist versus heroin Yeah, addict. They kind of go hand in hand.
0: I should really prep these, shouldn't I? I mean, you know, I I do I do yeah, prep we'll, everything we'll else. We'll have to start shopping them ahead of time. You know, truly, co- truly. Coming
1: out hot, calling me a heroin addict. I, I apologize. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. uh... <laughs> You say, what have I been watching uh-huh. um, <laughs> uh so I've been uh eating up the screen series the past uh over the weekend, almost done have one left to go before mm-hmm. the new one but uh yeah they're they're a really good time um yeah. especially been watching them with uh with some friends, so that makes it even more fun like Kind of horror movies, like joking around and just having. Is the fun killer with one it. of
0: the friends you're watching it with? Like, is are you playing that sort of? Like one <laughs> that of could be a screen, the case. Like a ghost face uh, mask maybe or, we'll yeah.
1: find out in the fourth one. Well, um, <laughs> no, they they've been fun. Although I will say, Scream Three is a serious bummer compared to the first two. It, it <clears> is <throat> not on the same level, uh, as they
0: say. Um, yeah, my my plan is to do three and four before uh, the new one, and because I've seen one and two more recently, but it's been much longer than three and four. Yeah, I remember yeah, liking I, all of them to some extent, though. Like, um cause it's like what, it's a weird instance that you can't really critique the screen movies because like they're critiquing themselves. It's like I don't even. Know
1: yeah, what. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, although three three is the one with a different writer, which is notable. Um, um, because
0: was that the writer strike one? I think maybe that was no, no. Because
1: up. or maybe I don't know, but that was two thousand, um, and so then there was eleven year gap between that and four. Mm-hmm. But for four, the writer of the first two came back. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm excited for the new one because uh, I-, I love the guy. I loved Ready or Not. The guy's doing this one. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Uh, it's not the same writer they always had, but uh we'll, yeah. we'll see, I'm excited.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Tali, how, how, about, how about you? Anything good recently?
2: Um, I've I feel like I'm constantly watching things all the time, but um one great um thing I watched recently is uh, last night I watched um Original cast album company mm. um, because so my yeah. for Christmas my sister got me and our uh, in uh, family uh, tickets to see the company revival on Broadway. Wow. Um, so we went wow. to see that yesterday, and then obviously had to come home and watch that, which I had gotten uh, on a Criterion Blu-ray for Christmas. So nice, fun. Uh yeah, no, always amazing and. Obviously, it just feels like nothing can ever really compare to that original cast that they had. Uh, but it was still a really fun time. Yeah.
0: It's like the rare instance that a behind the scenes <laughs> portfolio can, you know, like stand on its own as like creating artwork.
2: Oh my God. Yeah. No, it's yeah. fantastic.
1: It, would you, because I, I still haven't seen what I'm about to say yet, um, would you say it's a little like Beatles get back ish?
2: I haven't seen that either. Oh, yeah, I, I have mean, not. As
0: someone who has seen Get Back, I I, I can see where you draw that comparison. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like in the studio. It seems
2: exactly. Weird. That's kind of the vibe I get too. But no, I have. not I seen guess either.
0: like the only main difference is like company already has their songs together and it's a rehearsal rather mm. than like Get Back right. like, forming the songs in real time. And you know, it's a small miracle that thing exists. <laughs> True. Rather than you know like with. Uh, Company like Penny Baker like, like, gave got full access and you know like, but
2: yeah, and also I I like I said I haven't seen Get Back, but it's also very um kind of hilarious to watch Company because you can also just see like steven Sondheim just like ripping everybody apart in real time like not adhering to yeah. these like inhuman like standards <laughs> that he sets for his music so yeah very fun yeah, to have I- like a tyrant
0: <laughs> and of course like uh, um company like that the behind the scenes doc is paired so well with the uh documentary now episode that's making fun of it yeah yeah no John Mullaney plays Sondheim it's a miracle (laughs) yeah
2: yeah I also am just a very big Richard Kind fan like I think a lot of people are so he's also fantastic in that yes yes. amazing
0: Mm -hmm. yeah uh as for me I um updated a very long criterion channel watch list uh, over the past week and found this documentary called Down and Out in America by Lee Grant, who I didn't know was a filmmaker. Uh, it's very good. It's it's about poverty in the, the mid to late 1980s. And it's just like a very vivid portrait of uh, people who could so easily have things put together for them if it weren't for like the economic uh, stature. And it's it's like pretty harrowing, but it's, it's like, really well made and very, like, concise, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, really good. It's, it's, like, super short, too.
2: But. I'm going to put that on my watch yeah. list now. That sounds yeah. awesome.
1: And that's yeah. totally outdated because poverty doesn't exist anymore. Not um, real. Just yeah. don't look at it. We solved pro- uh, poverty in all the years since then, so it's all good. Close now. your eyes.
0: Yeah. It's not there. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you think it's not there, then it's not. It's, like... It's like racism. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Very cool. America's great. Um, it's all like Yogan is here with us. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, something we love to find out about everybody that we have is their foundation of their love of film. Uh, if you have like a movie that you loved early on that like sort of sparked your your interest, um, that really got you into it.
2: Absolutely. This is actually a very easy answer for me, but I feel like something that might not necessarily be reflected in, you know, what I find interesting currently, but my first favorite movie probably when I was about like five years old was uh, Jurassic Park. Um, Really loved it. Uh, Was obsessed with dinosaurs from a really young age. And I think just like that, also like kind of fortified like a level of like love and like just uh, obsession with like having that like feeling of suspense like kind of uh, imitated for me again and again and uh, that scene with the velociraptors in the kitchen just incredible amazing.
0: It, it, do you find it like at all startling that it's uh, a movie from 1993 and it looks better than like most blockbusters or? <laughs> like,
2: I, I, what 100%. Up with that? <laughs> 100%. And I also feel like that is something that I kind of rant about all the time is that like films nowadays just do not want to put in that level of effort into just making things like just look so good and have it be like this kind of like technical, um, just uh prowess like in front of like an actor or something they can like actually like see and interact with and i know like jurassic park also did incorporate cgi into it but i think that the use of like animatronics made it just enduringly awesome and just very impressive to me maybe it's just like because the film made such an impression on me from an early age but i just like yeah i just think that's awesome
1: yeah that's that movie's very uh high for me as well yeah Mm -hmm. i I grew up with the vhs and everything yeah Mm -hmm. and and then i got to see it in the theater like when i was in college and i was like oh my god this this holds up
2: yes i think it was like last summer when um drive-ins were really coming back in vogue during the pandemic um this drive-in was doing a double feature of jaws in jurassic park and like Mm -hmm. we drove like an hour to like go see that because we luckily have a car in new york and it was just amazing like to first of all like, see a movie like outside again like in any capacity it's not just like on the couch in your living room and just yeah. seeing like two Change of those scenery. like yeah exactly and just seeing two like very uh just movies I'd seen like a million times before but just on a different kind of like uh format in a different environment very cool experience
0: mm-hmm. yeah I-, I mean you know worth always remembering too same year as Schindler's List, which is like yeah, pretty crazy, pretty brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like Jurassic Park, and then you kind of like, oh well, then what's this thing? Did you go about go down Spielberg's like catalog, or was it just more you grew your interest from there?
2: <clears throat> yeah, also, I I guess that's just like my first instance of really like loving a movie and being very enchanted by the form. But I think like. um I as a child kind of like grew up watching anything and it wasn't until I was like a teenager that um, I really started developing an interest in like cinema, you know, like things that aren't just like VHSs you have to share or like with your siblings or things that are like hand me down like copies or uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I didn't even really grow up going to the movies a whole lot with my family or anything. It was uh, just not like a activity that was... N- often brought up or attended. Um, so I think that when I was a teenager, I did a lot more of uh, digging into just things I was, that mostly just like would provoke, I think. That's what I was really into when I was younger. Um, like I remember probably like my first uh, favorite movies that made me really want to think critically about cinema were probably like these kind of like edgy answers that I, uh, I think a lot of people might relate to things like uh, Blue Velvet or, you know, Kids or Gummo, um, Eraserhead, like, you know, David Lynch, Harmony Corrine, really like a weird, more like esoteric or shocking um, films that I think really got me interested in it as like art and then as expression. And then like got me thinking more about what these things mean and what it reflects about us when we interact with them.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's exactly, like, what I, you know, like, sought out. Um, yeah. Just so- something that I had never seen before was, like, my bar. Yes. um, And Blue Velvet was absolutely, like, top of my list that yeah, I was just same. so, yeah, startled and, you know, but. um, That's, yeah, that's really funny because it's, like, that independent thing. It's, like, oh, I have so much, like, freedom. It's, like, different than somebody's, like, guiding you through and, like you know, giving you things like, like we talked about with uh, Arlene Golden on one of our episodes when we covered, um, searching for Sugarman and it's, and he's like, yeah, like my teacher gave like math teacher gave me one, like a DVD of the Holy mountain. And it's like, what? Oh, that's
2: <laughs> so cool. then
0: you just like go down the, the rabbit hole there. But it's like, um, you know, but yeah, that's really cool.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I will also say like, um, it, it was a little weird and I definitely branched out more on my own, but, um, I, I do have to say, like, my dad also, like, saw that I was, like, getting into these kind of, like, um, weirder things. And, like, one day, like, almost I feel like he must have, like, not really, like, thought I would have gone through with it. But he was just like, ah, oh, you should give a clockwork orange a watch. And I'm, like, 14. And I'm, like, <laughs> okay. And I did. And then I was, like, oh, that was really good. And he was just, like, and uh, I think also I, I liked that. Just, like, um challenging myself with things like adults maybe thought like I wouldn't necessarily grasp or would find like uh too imposing to like actually uh consume and uh yeah I think that a lot of those yeah kind of like classically like shocking or uh in just yeah edgier works that a lot of young people say they really love and I I still really do love a lot of those movies but easier for me to see like criticism of it now (laughs) yeah definitely and
0: and it's also like you want to be more of an adult and you want to like see more adult things because like no it's like you know i I feel the need that i can um watch these things because i'm 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 expanding my horizons but i may not be like i mean that was like again that's that's me too like i want i didn't want to like I'm not adult yet, but I want to see adult content or yes. Wait, that totally. wasn't a way. Wait, wait, that
2: wasn't,
0: <laughs> like- <laughs> um, <sighs> you know, like movies are grownups, I guess. <laughs> right. But yeah, like, cause Clockwork Orange is a good example.
2: Yeah, and also I think um, just, like, also those films that, like, have, like, you just, like, look them up out of curiosity. I mean, we all grew up with the internet just, like, Googling it and immediately it's, like, immediately, like, uh, Clockwork Orange controversy or whatever. And you're like, right. oh, yeah, definitely I'm into this, you know? Like, like,
0: I can see Mother, like, like one from the 2010s, like, being another example of uh, someone now, like, because, uh, <laughs> like, you know, if someone was, like, 14, 13, and they were just getting a film in, in, in 2017. Like, I can sort of see that be like, Prime. Mother controversy! Like Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but with today's, you know, the souvenir. I have not got that much room. You've got a foot on that side. That's and I literally
3: am on a
2: ledge. I've got nowhere <laughs> left
3: to go. Do you think she suspects that you creep down to our bed? No. I thought we'd put Anthony down the end. It's not that kind of relationship, anyway, is it? If she does, that was an amazing performance. you very special, Julie.
1: No, I don't think I am.
3: Oh, no, you don't think you are.
1: Very normal, really. You're not normal at all.
3: I feel as though I want to not not live my whole life in this very privileged um, part of the world I come from. I want to be really aware about what's going on around me. Sorry, sorry.
1: We can all be sincere, but
3: um, what's it all for? So I'm trying to work out... Where you two tessellate here. How, what, why, when. Can you lend me a couple of quid? Yeah, sure. Not me. Can I borrow some
0: money? Please. More money? Yes. Oh. You're too nice. You need to properly get aggressive. Don't lie, Auntie. If you don't want to know, I do then to don't ask. Stop torturing yourself. I'm not... Stop talk- inviting me to torture you. Um, What was your first experiment experiment experience with with this one
2: so um this is definitely a more recent film for me i did not see it when it came out originally and i had always wanted to see it it had always been on my radar but i think yeah 2019 i was like doing my master's degree i really didn't have time for a lot of things even though i was like kind of like studying film and i was really interested in the concept of this as being this form of, like, I think, you know, a lot a word that gets thrown around with it a lot is, like, meta-filmmaking and also, like, this, like, auteur reflection from, like, a woman filmmaker's point of view, obviously, was super interesting to me. Um, but I first watched this, um, I think, this past summer, maybe, like, late August, because I uh, saw that The Souvenir Part 2 was going to be at the New York Film Festival, And I knew I really wanted to cover it, so I had to play catch-up and was very, very um, enamored with the film upon first watch. And uh, I also think that it is um, a film because I watched it so recently and then kind of had the sequel come with it, like, in my viewing, like, memory. They're, like, very close together, so I think that that also impacts my... um, view of the film because uh it is i think totally a companion to the second one and the second obviously once you view it you start to see the first one in a very different way but um yeah i really really loved this when i first saw it and um i appreciate it like even more now because of uh having seen the sequel and just uh really uh sat with both of them like very closely
0: mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's like it doesn't feel like half a movie this one they just kind of feel like very cohesive um absolutely like one you just are now catching up with a friend uh in part two uh for me i was i was always interested uh in the souvenir when this premiered at 2019 sundance uh it got a lot of acclaim i think a24 bought it like pretty soon after uh its premiere and then it came out a few months later uh to me i saw it at one of my favorite theaters called the screening room it's just very basic it's just, i mean i've talked about it a few times here it's like one screen it's like you walk into this this place and it's like concessions and like a few rows of chairs like you can't it's like so minimal uh and and it feels like the it feels like the perfect place to to see something like this that's so intimate and personal uh it, it's like you're reading someone's diary a little bit um mm-hmm. And it's great. I was just like so taken aback by how luscious this was. Um I got I went back and I saw all of Johanna Hogg's movies. They were all on Amazon Prime for a little mm-hmm. while. Uh not sure about now. But yeah, uh Ty, this is your first time seeing this one? What did you know about it going in? I I have that right. Right, this is Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen it before watching for this. Uh hadn't seen any Johanna Hogg either. Um so yeah uh I will say i I had a tough time connecting with it, very tough uh personally um, now, with the caveat that I may have not been in the right headspace for a movie like this uh after directly after watching three screen movies it, it was a very harsh tonal shift um. <laughs> I was, like, so, like, amped, and then I'm like, all right, let's turn on the souvenir. Yeah, let's, let's, and then I was, like, know, yeah, take it down. I was, like, yeah. what's going on here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Why is there no ghost
0: face? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I do remember when this came out, um, it being a little more divisive. I-, I don't remember it just being, like, universally praised. And I remember a lot of people seemed to- seeming to have trouble connecting with it um and then from what i also so i haven't been able to see the souvenir too because it's not available now yeah shortly lived in theaters and now it's completely
0: unavailable so and it's so funny the fact that we kind of like i mean you know maybe not we but i set up this episode um thinking like oh yeah we can do the souvenir like it'll tie in nicely with um uh, part two's release, and maybe it'll be on VOD by the time, because like I wanted to revisit <laughs> it too. Um, after seeing it in theaters, but it's like no, it's like nowhere to be found. And A twenty four like clearly has like Macbeth and Red Rocket to deal with right now. I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. So
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, I I uh I still want to see that because what I didn't say yet is that the movie is freaking gorgeous. It's like the most aesthetically pleasing movie the most aesthetically pleasing a movie could possibly be without me, like connecting to it on like an emotional or like a storytelling level at all. Mm -hmm. I still like somewhat enjoy watching it just because I'm like, this is beautiful. Like the cinematography is gorgeous. The, the landscapes. uh, I I love like the early eighties setting. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: But so, yeah, I, I'm hopeful that, probably give it another rewatch before I watch two and maybe like them together. It'll all come together for me, but yeah, yeah totally. I had a tough time on first watch.
0: There's a bit of a fervor that part two has. Um, so maybe you'll just like, be, I mean, it's not totally different. Like this is sort of the patience um, that Hogg has with all her movies. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can, you can kind of see that there's like a little bit more of um, like a confidence to the filmmaking just like it matches Julie's um you know life progression in part two. Um but yeah early eighties. Yeah. Lots of ska in this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, I uh I honestly uh don't um blame you, Tyler, because um i I remember watching the film for the first time um and being like very captivated by it. I think that it it had to do a lot with like the visual like all the details, like the small details um of uh her i just i love like just dwelling in like her apartment space. I find it mm-hmm. just like very uh immersive and i I can just really connect to just like the feeling and the uh just um intentional like uh slowness of uh her like moving throughout her space kind of thing. I, I think that's really gorgeous. But um I rewatched it obviously for this and I even found myself then during rewatching this was uh yesterday after after I had come home from the show and I was like, oh wow like this movie's a little longer than I remember it being, you know, just I think also when you've been uh inundated with uh kind of like spectacular uh, performances or uh, viewings that uh, settling in for the souvenir might not be the greatest uh, decision. But um, I think it also like um, as I was sitting there watching it and, you know, you just kind of like give yourself over to it. And I this is my first rewatch since part two. So I think I also just got a lot um yeah, same with in me. that sense as well like it really mm-hmm. was phenomenal like all the little things I was able to just connect or uh see emulated from the second one is just really really cool
0: especially in the costuming like uh yes. Julie has this has this dress when they go to Venice in this mm-hmm. first part and then <laughs> she has another dress in part two when the movie premieres and it's like so much more freeing and like oh my God, you I know the colors perfect. like are much less muted, I've, mm. I, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and also, like, you know, I kind of understand the movie being divisive too. Um, just since this is Hogg's first major release and it got, yeah. and it was like expanded outside of the UK and any major festival. Um, and it's like, oh, there, once there's so much more exposure to this very specific and esoteric style, you can get a lot, of, like, a lot more feedback than if you were to have an audience uh, that was used to the style.
2: Definitely.
1: So this style um, in this movie is emblematic of all of her films before this as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, the major difference with this one is like time and place uh, that the rest of her movies, whether they're like in this there's this movie called the exhibition, uh, that that was the one before this. And it's about this married couple, uh, who are both artists and it's primarily in their big mansion in like conversations about life and art. And, uh, um, that, and it's like, the time is very linear. And her first movie called unrelated with like one of the great Tom Hiddleston performances that's in, that's in this like gorgeous, uh, like, um, islands. I don't know where it is. Um, But anyway, so it's like primarily in the vacation spot, but uh, but you know rather than here where it's like multiple locations and time is like very inferred.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's not really clear how much time passes for the duration
0: of the movie, right? It seems like it kind of reads like a novel in that way. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think with time, one of the uh, big markers for me is, like, obviously in the beginning, she's um kind of talking to, like, the, uh, like, acceptance committee of her film school, and then, like, as we draw near the end, she celebrates her 25th birthday, so that was really what my first watch, like, my first indication that I was like, oh, yeah, she's, she's been doing this, you know, for a while, a little bit, but, um, mm-hmm. and I think that... uh just like solidifying it like in place more. I think that, um, the IRA Harrods bombing happened in 83. And then there was the Iranian hostage situation. That was 84. Mm. So just those little things also kind of denote like passing of time. Yes.
0: And also you see, um, uh, the German wall brought down. Mm, Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, and that's like, comes at a very emotionally cathartic moment, Mm. uh, you know I, I I think in part two, like the this is an an episode on part two but worth mentioning <laughs> that I think the Berlin Wall coming down is like um it's almost like the movie is building up to it mm-hmm. um and Julie is like getting to a very mature place where mm-hmm. she can understand and process like the full meaning of a historic moment like that,
2: oh yeah, that's a very good point because I also feel like in the first one, you know uh. To, like, viewers, like, you know, for me especially, like, I have family in Ireland, so, you know, just those issues of the IRA and the troubles, like, are things that I'm, it's easy for me to pick up on, so, um, with the uh, IRA bombing obviously that's a shot where she's just like in her apartment when she hears it happening and then you don't really uh she doesn't interact with it anymore afterward really it's just something that like happens in the city that she's living in and I think that with part two yeah she was able to like really interact with these like you know what's actually happening around her like in the world you know what I mean as opposed to just being somebody who these things happen around as opposed to like somebody who is part of the society that's being able to interact with the magnitude of these uh, events.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like, she's just trying, everything is so insular in Julie's life and especially like coming from a place of privilege. Like it's something that she's aware of, but never fully um, dealing with. Yeah. Um, And there's that early, early on meeting when she's trying to get finance uh, for the film or trying to get into film school, and she's like, "I want to make something political." And it's like, "Oh, Mm. but (laughs) it's like, how much experience is there?" Um,
2: Yeah. Um, And I think that, like, obviously, also, um, uh, it just—it's so hard to talk about this film without referencing part two if you've seen it. It really is. But um, uh, I. I, I, obviously, like, you understand, like, Julie's, like, growth as a person when she uh, starts to realize that, you know, these uh, experiences outside of her worldview, like, might not be, like, the um, most um, ideal, like, conduits for exploring her artistry. But at the same time, I think that in part two, we see that there is an immense amount of uh, labor and um, just, like, uh, internal strife when you also mine your own like lived experiences for art like I think that there is a detachment that's like sometimes uh unhealthy and then also I think that when you bring it too close to home like there is an enormous struggle there as well so I think it's her like kind of also balancing like what it means to be an artist and like speak from your own experiences but uh like you know at what personal gain or cost
0: yeah mm-hmm. and, it, and it's like this whole thing is is hinged on life experience and how and how it helps uh, your artwork but in this case the life experience is really shitty that <laughs> Julie has to go through in order to like um, make the art even better and to like right. fully realize the artist that she wants to be in the uh, directorial vision um because you know at the time this was like the old art at the time like, I think when this came out, the sort of feeling was, like, this is the ultimate, like, dump him movie. and um, Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, you can, but at the same time, like, you kind of see, I, I mean, for me, at least, like, you can kind of see, like, what she sees in Anthony. Like, like, it's this whole facade that he's putting on just to wooze everybody around him, uh, like, the group of friends and mm-hmm. uh, Julie's parents. But, you know. I think Julie's falling falling under that, but then she sees the facade, so slowly starts to fall away. And it's, um, I don't know is that isn't that kind of like a movie? Like we're all, you know, actors. <laughs> I don't know.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And also, um, going back to uh, just seeing rewatching this film, like I think that the first time I watched it, I was very much in the oh wow, like this guy's terrible. Like oh my god, mm-hmm. like poor Julie. Like oh, mm-hmm. what she endures. And then. Uh, watching part two and then watching part one again, you can kind of see uh, just like, I think in part two, uh, Hobb does a much better job at depicting this portrait of Julie that isn't so like uh, poised and like uh, just um, vulnerable and uh, small and, you know, kind of this victim and you can kind of see yeah. uh, her, uh, and know, it's good that she doesn't complex- have a man
0: around yeah it's just this network that's surrounding her in part it, two.
2: exactly and i think that that helps like a lot of her other characteristics come out like you know as like a human being not just a woman in a relationship kind of thing um but yeah watching this again for the for um the second time um the souvenir uh i also found myself so much more like um just uh attached to anthony's character and just like really like taken with him and I could, and I think maybe because you see two entire films dedicated to, like, this one person, you can kind of, over time, at least understand uh, the impact and the attraction, you know, and I think that um, it uh, really kind of got me more um, on this watch, just uh, how uh, also, like, with this... uh, Addiction, Julie also, I think that for her own comfort, almost chooses to not confront it and enable the situation because of uh, how much more inconvenient a confrontation might be or how much it might like, you know, wreck their relationship or, you know, wreck this uh, desire that she has for this companionship, you know, so it feels at the same time, you know, uh, upon first watch, I really felt like Julie was um this like uh participant in this totally like, you know, imbalanced relationship that was all of these like horrible power dynamics leveled against her. And I think that on um, second watch you kind of see like the mutual destruction of it all a little bit more. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's like they wanted to keep the desire for each other alive and it's like that's what keeps them back from holding the confrontations. Yeah. Especially in that scene when he offers her the trip to Venice, mm. um, and he's like, "I've I've been three times, uh, twice in the winter, once in the summer," and uh, you know that's where the previous girl, I guess, like killed herself or something.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and it's just like, "What what's going on with this guy?" Like, I want to travel, yeah. but it's like I don't know at what cost. Uh, at least you're reading into Julie's mind a little bit at that moment. Um, yeah, and, and and like you know, that's I think that's when. He passes over some money and it's like it's so carelessly yeah. thought like uh thought through and class is such an interesting like portrait in this movie um of like totally. the you know the part of uh britain that um julia's come through and and the part of uh the part of this world that um anthony's Trying to pretend he's coming from Because mm-hmm. he just like came from a posh college, it's like that's pretty much it um he just like dresses nice and you know um
1: I was gonna say, is there an age difference with them too?
0: yeah, yeah, it's like I forget the amount of age, but it's but it's like he's definitely not in and uh films. he's not in school anymore,
1: right, Because yeah. Yeah. I was thinking I'm like he he looks a good deal older than her, mhm. Not not enough. Then it's like weird, but like you can tell mm-hmm. there's a bit of a gap between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think I looked up the actors. I think it might have been like close to ten years, something like that. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I I thought that. Um, and again, it's kind of hard to gauge because of the jumping in time, and it's hard to keep their ages in relation to each other. But I think that um, at the very least, like Julie's obviously in her twenties, and I think Anthony's in his thirties. Yeah. Um but probably no more than 10 years apart I would say.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Anthony is kind of like Tom Ripley in a sense. <laughs> Just like pretending to, to go about uh you know, different you know, relationships and and seeing how we can impart. and and it's like the addiction that's that's really like brought down uh this this whole character he's created, mm-hmm. um, but it's like, it, but I wouldn't say like to the extent that he's like a con man, because uh, mm-hmm. th- there is like a bit of truth to him. Um, it's just how much he's wan- wanting to admit throughout the movie.
1: Yeah. Well, he's like fooling himself as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, right, right.
1: Pre- pretending to be somebody that like he can't really be because like because of his addiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh- that really gets, like, pronounced in the scenes uh, with um, the mom, with Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. Um, I think
0: Rosalind, that's the that's the mom.
1: Rosalind, yes. And he's, like, definitely putting on a show in front of her, it feels like.
0: And it's so interesting to see uh, each other bringing uh, Anthony to Julie's parents and Julie to Anthony's parents and how just starkly different... Um, those two scenes are like, especially when Julie's dad and Anthony are talking about politics and it's like, this is something, and, and I, you know, I don't really understand the full picture of it, but it felt like what they're talking about is something that they should be coming to terms with, like they should be agreeing on, but yet they're like, so um, they're so different. Yeah. Yeah, opposite, yeah.
2: And I, I think that that's also such an interesting uh scene because, you know uh the whole time he's, like posing as being someone from the foreign office, and then talking about these like, like uh, UK like foreign affairs, having these like kind of like radical like outlooks on them, and then like her father asked me, like, "Is this a foreign office like opinion?" He's like, "No, right, probably right, not." Right. Yeah. And,
0: and it's it's funny they bring the foreign office because I remember the first time I'm seeing this, I was like, "Is Anthony financing Julie's film?" <laughs> uh, cause he like brings up that thing about Powell and Pressburger and it's like, mm. well then like if every, but then I think that just feeds into everybody having an, a, having an opinion about film and art and, uh, the way it should be, um, created and comprehended. But then it's just like all these differing views takes away from Julie's vision. And she doesn't have one yet. You know, it's just like yeah. this one person like seeking something out, um, you know, it's in in like even like one of the great scenes, uh is whenever Richard Iote is on screen and he's like, Well Britain's never had a great musical and it's like <laughs> Um but
2: Yeah. Uh no. That's another reason why um part two's uh really worth a lot of people's time is because they really let that character uh yeah. they they really let him uh have some some time which is much deserved
0: yeah he's like at one point he's like uh you're gonna let me have a tantrum i'm gonna have a tantrum (laughs)
2: yeah (laughs) yeah it's great um yeah but uh oh gosh um yeah um oh i lost my train of thought about um him working for the foreign office but yeah we can if i remember it we can move back
0: um but I, you know, there, uh, there's just so much like to think about with all the like, like you mentioned before, like the meta aspect. Like, um, uh, clearly Honor Sweat, and Burn, and Tilda Swinton being mother and daughter and playing mother and daughter, and like Joanne Hog and Tilda Swinton went, went to film school together, and now they're like uh, casting her in a feature, um, and all that. I to did be not said, know but, that was Tilda yeah, Swinton's yeah. daughter. Um, yeah, 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 that's crazy. Yeah. She should be in so many other things. I think she's quite extraordinary she, she's in this. Really good, yeah,
2: yeah. Honestly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. I think that, she kind of
0: looks like Joanne Hogg, too. I, I'm I'm assuming that's part of the reason why she was cast.
2: Yeah, I I totally see that. And um, also, uh, I think um, I I think I read this probably in an interview when I was um, writing my uh, souvenir to review earlier. Um, or this past year, is that um, I think that they said that um, Swinton and her daughter are actually, like, very, like, close and affectionate. And so it was uh, kind of difficult uh, to put themselves in this very, like, stodgy, kind of, like, stuffy, like, mother-daughter relationship where everything is so, like, concealed and just uh, kept almost, like, at an arm's length, like, from each other at all times. So Mm. uh, I, I thought that that was really interesting and also probably like goes to show like uh how uh interesting that dynamic probably is uh on screen versus off screen
0: totally and i was really taken aback by the first time seeing this um how they kind of aged up tilda like she's so youthful and like effervescent and everything that she's that she's i mean she can do anything but but still it's like when you when you first see her it's like wow she looks like julie's grandmother as opposed Mm -hmm. to julie's mother but i mean like that's not to say anything like commented about the relationship I, I also think it's interesting that they keep their ages the same like I, i'm pretty sure um honor switten and tilda's ages in real life mirror julie and mm. um but you know i we i mean we've only done uh we need to talk about kevin on the on the pod and you know tilden is just like the best actress of working right now you know it's just
2: I mean Um, uh, obviously this is a tangent but yeah I I just um, I think on my last movie of 2021 was I went to see Memoria um, oh my god and wow yeah that like if nothing else in her incredibly uh, prolific career has dubbed her like one of the greatest actors of our generation that certainly hands down I mean she like speaks in Spanish like it's amazing she's really yeah. awesome in it um but yeah well yeah
0: that, that movie is ex- unexpectedly funny too
2: yeah i know i yeah. uh, such a, uh, i mean not to not to like go on a tangent there but yeah awesome movie. what
0: if there was awesome a memoria movie. is essentially the no i'm just
2: kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah um um
0: but, uh, but yeah i mean like she can she just kind of works with like so many interesting <laughs> filmmakers that can use her in different ways that are completely different from the last
2: um but i think that oh, this right. instance, yeah un- yeah no go ahead
0: i forgot about unca gems though yeah she, it's the cameo um just oh looking my God,
2: back. yes i forgot yeah. about yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. wow um, um but uh i i just want to say yeah i think that she does like you know they're all those like um comments about like Tilda Swinton like kind of like collecting like art house like directors or just working with like all of these super incredible filmmakers all the time um but I think that also because of knowing Hogg and also like I think Joanna Hogg is literally uh Swinton Burns' godmother um oh, wow. yeah. like they they were very close friends growing up I, I think that's correct I could be wrong but no I think I think, I think that, yeah, that I think that this it. is also just like you know, one of those those films that everyone's like, "Wow, yeah, Tilda is amazing and works so well, and you know, works with all these great filmmakers." But it's also like an incredibly like personal connection on this one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if that also helped her deliver the performance as Rosalind so well. There was like mm-hmm. a kind of like um just a more amicable like understanding of that relationship. Um, totally I'm sure there must have been.
0: Right. And it goes beyond like working with Wes Anderson and Bon joon Ho, yeah. uh the Coen Brothers, you know, Luca Guadino. Oh it goes to, like like all, all these people that, that we see in the twenty tens, um, that can just morph her as to like the worlds they create. Yeah. Um and still like it's so funny that... Like, the one Oscar she has is for Michael Clayton, and it's the only time she's been nominated, and it's a great performance, but it's like nothing too uh, eccentric. Uh,
2: no, it's, um,
0: like a character, you all. Know, um,
1: really, you, you wouldn't put that above uh, Suspiria in terms
0: of accent. No, I, I, I. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's the that's the fourth mother. Uh, is, uh, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes, it's just it's interesting that she's never been right because it's like I feel like we kind of take her for granted a little bit. And it's like oh right, yeah. Tilda, like she's great, yeah. But um...
1: and and even like her performance in this movie, it's not you know it's not she doesn't take over the movie. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. like overbearing presence. She's just like in the movie and she's like just her being there like elevates it she's so much okay. better than like just any other actor you would get
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I she mean, like quietly
0: knocks it out for, yeah right. i
2: you mean i she's... was going to say um just like her literal like the one line at the end where uh obviously anthony misses dinner and every you know julie starts to like worry about something happening and then the phone rings and she answers it and then like takes a minute just like comes down the stairs it's not even descend the stairs all the way like stands up there halfway and she just like it's the worst you know <laughs> like that like one yeah. line you're just like oh my god like it's so like subtle and such a gut punch at the same time like it's mm-hmm. incredible yeah, that's really good yeah.
0: yeah and you feel like she hangs on to every word that julie yeah. says to her for like way longer than julie even intends it yeah um, like when she asks for her money she's like more money
2: oh
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah, like that was a big example um
2: yeah Uh, yeah, no she's i I love that because it it is also like so like really hilarious again it's just like also like repressed and proper but at the same time you can just like hear the kind of like dig in it where it's like huh again like oh it's not long (laughs) since the last time (laughs) exactly like kind of like you know and it's like not like she's like you know some parents will like bust your balls and still give it to you, like she didn't even do that. She just like had these little very proper English aside they, and then was like okay, yeah, they come well. from very
0: old money, and yeah, and it's just like at the ready um
2: exactly but also it's it's just
0: like the asking for it um and the conversation yeah. that comes with it is still very awkward and stale exactly mm-hmm. It's the
2: awkwardness absolutely mm-hmm.
1: it's like she's being like slightly passive aggressive,
2: oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, yeah. like not really discernibly or palpably at all. which just like, yeah. Oh my god! Like I, I could never like be in like that kind. Of, like I don't know, kind of <laughs> families you guys have. But that that scene, you know.
0: I always love the dogs. Like it's just this this like <sighs> pile of like noise going around this. Oh my god! Um, no. Very, Quiet uh, mansion that they have. Uh, I don't even I know it's a it, mansion, but it's like a countryside sort of villa. It
2: definitely feels large. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I love the dogs as well. I I think you know not only they're they're so fun and beautiful, but also I think like such a like talisman for like um just like her mother's like kind of like neurosis a little bit, like really subtle and like also like very like just visually adorable but also like kind of like concealing this kind of like maybe like obsession or just like streak of like uh aesthetic like perfectionism and whatever and I just I think that I, I don't know just very fun I feel like they obviously come again a little bit more into play in the second one but mm. I just I love the motif of the dogs uh in the movie too yeah
0: yep yeah and in the rosalind also has some standout scenes in the second one they 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 don't like shift the focus away from julie but it's like since there isn't any focus on anthony i, th- I think it's like you can you can tell that there's like a void but um you just get so much m- more out of the whole family unit
2: absolutely no that that was like one of the like um main takeaways i had from the second one it's like through like anthony's absence like she has to like kind of like leave her bubble and like interact with all these people more who she just kind of like you know brushed to the side a little bit or maybe didn't have to see as often and i think that it also like helps you see her as a like more developed character because you see like her different actions and relationships and dialogues with these other people
0: mm-hmm. right right as, as opposed to here that i think once you see her and i like that there's no like lectures that you cut to about the filmmaking or, or nothing that she's like trying to study. It's very much like yeah. the brief moments on set that we see. And it's like yeah. her direction is kind of clunky. And then you see it improve in part two.
2: Yes, I, I, I do. I also love the scene um, where she's uh, doing the kind of like a music video where um, it's on a call in the role. I, at least I'm pretty sure because I know she did the end music for the credits, but um and uh you just see her like kind of like awkwardly moving around she's supposed to be the director but she's like almost like knocking over like lights and just like kind of being like kind of a putz on set and i'm just like Mm -hmm. i love that and i find that Mm -hmm. very like awkward and relatable and i just think i don't know it's it's very endearing while also kind of being like oh wow yeah this woman does not have her confidence (laughs) like it's yeah i yeah
0: who can relate (laughs) Yeah, and yeah. it's and it's like just because it's awkward and, and innocent doesn't mean that it's like any more or less and, and I like that it's like she doesn't come out and it's she's like fully formed mm. uh in a filmmaker with like something to say and she's gonna and it's like that's when the uh the hurdles begin, but it's like they're just always placed there. Um because she's never really had to think about any sort of work or a job yeah. and it's just like that's where the, like a part of the conflict that's comes so in for true. me. Um and it's and it's that's like so she true. has that friend that we never see again um, that she's like, Oh yeah, I got to go out for a job now. Um, It's like, Oh yeah. Right. Like this is like time of adulthood that we all like start to
2: um,
0: think about careers, but, but it's almost like a realization to her rather than any lifelong goal. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I, I think that is interesting. Not that, you know, I mean, obviously this is kind of a very autobiographical film, but, you know, I think that also reflects like, Diana hogg like you know she this is her experience is going to film school in the 80s and she didn't direct her first feature until 2007 so she did wow. have like a very prolonged period of doing a lot of these like um kind of like TV films or episodes of these like prestige series or maybe not prestige series whatever came her way really just commercials like, too ex- yes mm-hmm, and commercials and just trying to be like well I'm going to squeeze any like artistic intent I can out of this but also it's like I'm not actually, like, in control. I occupy the director's chair for a, yeah. you know, small time, but it's not really my project or anything. Mm-hmm. So I think also that um, it reflects, like, this, like, kind of, like, shaky start probably a lot of women have in, especially, like, you know, from the time that she's recording, have in the entertainment industry and also, like, maybe not necessarily reassuring that, oh, it's going to get better. Oh, you're going to find your voice. Or, oh, like, you know, once you get your bearings, like, you're gonna take off, you know? It's kind of like, no, like, this is kind of a point of stagnation, and that's just what it is.
1: Yeah. Now I'm picturing mm-hmm. Joanna Hogg directing, like, a Colgate toothpaste <laughs> commercial. Like, something stupid. A McDonald's mm-hmm. commercial. Yeah, <laughs> something
0: way below her big grade.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. What would that look
0: like? Yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, and it's like, you know, the pace as at which the movie goes at, it it just kind of feels, it feels like as painstaking as um, Julie's life in this moment, that it's like, everything is building up to something that we eventually conclude to Mm -hmm. in part two, but then it's just like, it's like taking forever to get there. It's like, what's more relatable than that, you know, (laughs) that she, it's like, she finds something that can fit her style um, with, with the story that she's telling Um, And it just happens to be herself, and that's kind of cool. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's, I think that is very cool, and also just very, uh, I I just think there's, like, such an allure to it. And obviously, I think this has been talked about a hundred times, but also just, like, this kind of, like, uh, uh, autobiographical, like, film about making films or being a director. Like, we've seen it as, like, obviously a very kind of, like, um masculine pursuit you know and it's but even in you know the past few years or so um we've gotten films like you know Pain and Glory and uh even like Roma you know all these like big buzzy films and they're about like you know the interior uh kind of lives and prospects of like these directors either you know from youth to now or back you know in the day and so I think it's it's just uh very cool to have this be you know uh not only an autobiographical story but also one that's not so like grandiose or like oh this is like my story and you know it's about
0: everything it's about everything and me exactly me and the world yes and I i
2: just i think it's such a fantastic kind of um statement really um even though obviously it's a lot less uh even just like the emotion you know i i was like when i first saw it i was devastated like at the end when it's revealed that he's overdosed and it, it's not something i was really expecting but um i i never sobbed or like cried or anything you know i i think i felt mm-hmm. very uh struck by it but you know like for example like watching like pain and glory like i cried during that it felt like very heavy very obviously yeah. his whole thing is melodrama so that's what he's mm-hmm. comfortable in but you know I feel like a lot of the time or even just like something like you know eight and a half or all that jazz you know when you or like at uh, the end when you see him in the body bag you know you're kind of like ah oh, and it really leaves you like gasping and you know there are other mm-hmm. times in the film where you're really like devastated for like him and the people around him and you don't really get that with this it's it's a much more subtle emotional portrait while still being very full of the smallest like minute details that can like channel like how somebody was probably feeling in the moment but like the reality is is that for a lot of us even during these most formative times in our life like every day is not that memorable every day is not that emotional or devastating sure a lot of them are but like I think also it's just very cool to see that kind of like honest portrait of like yeah I'm working towards something I'm trying to be somebody but it's it's not really that like kind of a uh, intensity that I feel like is communicated a lot of other times with these like you know films and coming of age and whatnot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's almost like Rosalind delivers it with the cadence of of like offering more tea or something.
2: Ah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, oh my god. I know. And, she,
0: and then uh, and Julie receives it. Um. With, with the appropriate manner, I, I think, yeah, you're right That's, that she's not devastated because, you know, think about it, thinking about Anthony and the way that you, you treated her and the, the made her feel like this is the appropriate reaction to that. That they weren't like, I like that they weren't madly in love. Like, this wasn't mm. a place, and, and they, they were very much like with each other, and it wasn't a place of yearning. I think they liked, yeah, I, you mentioned this earlier, like it was a place of, for companionship. Um, mm-hmm. and so like they can supply each other with, um, Julie's now formative life experience mm-hmm. and like, you know, uh, Anthony's, uh, uh, crippling addiction. Um, it's like quietly, de- it's, and I think in that way, it's quietly devastating that this is the relationship that Julie has built to, but it's a relationship and it can like yeah. further her filmmaking. And you mentioned parent yeah. glory and it's, and it's kind of cool to look back. In 2019, and to see like the movies that had a sense of finality or like autobiographical uh, aspects. Um, like, you know, Pain and Glory is a great example. Also, The Irishman has a part of this for V Ferrari. Um, something where it's just like a filmmaker looking back at their careers when they may not be done, but oh, yeah. it's just like, wow, look what I've, you know, look what I've done.
2: And I think, like, even though, like, obviously, like, if it's to a lot of people, it might seem like Joanna Hogg is maybe on, like, the prime of her career right now because this film has brought her so much attention. But, I mean, also, this is a project she undertook after having made several films. And I think you, it could definitely be seen as a kind of, like, career retrospective, like, of her own. Because also, she'd been working in film for decades and decades, you know. Um <laughs> So, uh, it, I don't know. I think it's, uh, very, um, in line with those films that you mentioned. While also, I think, uh, almost like this autobiog- autobiographical film being like the touchstone that brings a lot of people into her work, which I think is gonna yeah. color everything else in a very interesting way.
1: Yeah, I think, um, like you said, uh, it's just directors of a certain age artists of a certain age looking back on their life like all these people that uh, that jack noted are like at least 50 plus obviously scorsese is well north of that but 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 the other directors as well um and you know i feel like obviously we're not there yet but once as you get older uh you spend a lot of time looking back and it makes sense why all these people, you know, Cuaron uh, with Roma and um, Kenneth Branagh with uh, Belfast. uh, Mm -hmm. And like you said, even Scorsese, Irishman, which, you know, isn't autobiographical, but in a meta sense, it, it, it kind of is because he's, it's a culmination of everything he had done to his career at that point. Yeah. So it, I think, yeah, the souvenir for Hog fits in nicely there too.
0: And also, Marriage Story. Yeah. Uh, kind of, oh my God! Yeah. Know, similar vein.
2: Yeah. Twenty eighteen. Um. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I, I kind of, I, I kind of love like films like that that really like peel back the mask or the artifice um, of, like, being an author yeah. or an artist and just kind of, like, show you, like, how fucking afraid everybody is of everything all the time and just how everybody... It's such an open wound to... Yeah, and these things that, like, happen to you when you're, like, 25, like, you never really get over them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I find that kind of comforting, honestly, um, and I, I think... Um, when I uh, was doing research on my piece for part two, I um, uh, obviously saw, you know, all of these anecdotes about Hogg, uh, obviously recreating her apartment in the first film and uh, having like this, even like, you know, the skyline or the view from her apartment be like projections of photographs that she took like back in the 80s. And um, even like, uh, just like, you um, following these like excerpts from her diary to see what she's talking about i think she even said she had a recording of like her um ex-lover's voice that like she gave to tom burke uh to imitate anthony and um i I think that it got me really thinking like especially in the digital age like i don't have those like um keepsakes of like our Hmm. even like a few years ago i don't have like what like you know like an old tumblr blog like you know what i mean those are things you don't necessarily want to look at and will probably be like erased like well before you're ready to reminisce on them so i Mm -hmm. think uh this year i've kind of made the resolution that i really want to start like keeping a diary like a physical kind of like um even though most days I'm just like, worked again, like blah, blah, blah. And it's really nothing exciting, <laughs> but I'm hoping one day, like it will come in handy to have documented like my daily mm-hmm. routine and activities. But I think yeah, that, yeah. you know, these kind of films where you see like how attached everybody still feels to their past, especially if you, you know, work in any creative capacity, like it's really gotten me thinking like, I need to preserve this time in my life a little bit better, even if it feels like, and, like we're going not going on.
0: Yeah. We're not looking to, um print any tweets out so it's like Fuck
1: no yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah i mean i could definitely relate to that um in, in my early 20s I, I was up to shenanigans we'll say <laughs> doing a lot of stuff that you know, i would never do again and and uh perhaps it's best that it's not documented but that too <laughs> Yeah. At the same time, we'll, we'll insert what like,
0: it what it was the shenanigans right here. So it, you're,
1: yeah. yeah, insert here. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, damn. Back during that time, like I have I have no record really of like what I was doing during this like five year period where I was just mm-hmm. like hanging out with my friends every yeah. single day. I like wasn't at that time like sharing everything I was doing like on Instagram or stuff like it. that w- wasn't even happening yet. So. I'm like, I wish I had like, you know, photos from that time or just something. So yeah, that b- yeah. bothers me already.
2: I know. Yeah, it's yeah. so different
0: now with like, um, how everything is captured in, in like the those formative years. Yeah, it's like
2: yeah, I, I'm I'm really not like even a person who is on social media really. I I don't I haven't kept a, an active like instagram or um even like you know i don't know if anybody even still uses it or if it's relevant like facebook um so but i i remember you know like uh during like a, even like you know uh middle school and high school like um it seemed like everybody kind of was like sharing every picture that they took like on those platforms you know what i mean but Mm-hmm. uh i i and i wonder like if i like missed out by like not doing that like, i felt that at the time you know but now it seems like I, if you have such a inundation of all of these images you've constantly been capturing like how likely are you to really go back through all of them like i would love to kind of have uh these like kind of like physical keepsakes like i, I would really also love to like start like taking like um pictures like on film again you know just like every kind of it has to be like an event you know like I don't know like the way that our like parents probably took pictures you know it wasn't like an everyday kind of thing but just like maybe when it mattered or when it felt right yeah. like I, I would love to be able to like document things in like that way again I, I mm. feel like it's either like a kind of all or nothing thing lately that we I, I've seen like other people I know just like kind of like capturing their daily like lives you know
1: no yeah totally like you look through your parents like photo albums and it's so it's at once like the same as like having an Instagram profile, but at the same time, like it's totally not. It's it's like more meaningful mm. because it's like, oh, you took the time to like grab a camera, yeah, and and then like get the picture developed and yeah. then like threw it in a photo yeah. album. It's like, wow, this is like this it's is a like a steps. legit document. Yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. you didn't yeah, just and, like and upload like... this
0: on a whim, you know? <laughs> it's very it's very private. Like the photo mm, albums are absolutely. always like kept in, in a drawer or something. Mm-hmm. It's never like, I mean, there was no internet.
2: Yeah, I know. I feel like yeah. for, now for everything time. is for
0: everybody. Now we like need to
2: exactly sure right. And it is like yeah. if you're documenting like your life and your story like every day, then how worth it is it to like go back and like make art out of it? You know what I mean? Yeah. And exactly. how do you how do you like siphon through all of that to know like when the truly like meaningful moments were captured? Right.
0: Yeah. And I've I've never been, like, staunchly anti-Instagram. It's always been, like, I have a bad habit of keeping it up. So it's, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, like, conflicted, like, yeah.
2: (laughs) I'm not, like, pro or anti it. I think I just found it very, like, anxiety-inducing. I think that I really kind of fell off with it when, like, stories became, like, really integral to the Instagram experience. (laughs) Because um, I I just, first of all, like, you know, maybe it's kind of like Twitter where I feel like I um just like follow people on the periphery like nobody who probably like I would consider a close friend or confidant and then like now with Instagram you know you meet somebody at a party one night and they give you your their handle and you know friends of friends add you and then all of a sudden you have to see like what they're doing like all the time like I I just like found it very like tiresome and anxiety inducing to see all of these stories pop up and like you could never get rid of them and they were just always coming and I I don't know, I, pro- I probably sound like a Luddite, but like it just became very like Panopticon y for me. I was just like, I don't want to see what everyone does and I don't really care about everybody seeing what I do. And this just seems mm-hmm. like maybe a little uh of uh just glut of an environment for me. But now I use tiktok like every day just for like looking at things so like that's yeah. probably worse um but so it's much worse hypocritical yeah. of me uh i just i love it, going through my feed and just yeah. seeing what the it's, it's a circle of life love <laughs> <of> technology <laughs> exactly yeah
0: because like everything i mean for me at least it's like everything remember. you see is is almost like you need to reciprocate it like for everything mm. everybody else points puts out there like you have to do the same yes exactly
2: At least, especially with TikTok. instagram yeah. yeah uh, oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, and I feel like this has become like, um, probably more of a like sensationalized thing, but I've also like definitely like seen the effects of it. It's just like that kind of like, um, and maybe this would be interesting to see what Instagram is like, you know, during the pandemic that we're still living through, but I feel like a lot of people in my life definitely were like suffering from that like Instagram disease of like constantly like looking at like, had the curated lifestyles of like people in your life and wanting things to emulate them and then I think it's like you know kind of like obviously self-destructive in that way but um so I, I don't know like are, are people still like posting like all of their like fun vacation photos if nobody's going on vacation or what are, right. what are people even like doing on there now is it is it just
1: uh, I'll I'll say I proudly uh, dropped it like a few months ago, <laughs> um, because honestly, for everything you're saying, I'm like this is like uh, this is probably like bad for mental health. Also, also like I didn't at the point where I'm like I don't want to support Meta, aka uh, Mark Zuckerberg.
3: Yeah,
1: and that that's Ugh. definitely part of it, but I'm. Uh, on a more personal level, I'm like, yeah, this isn't, like, good for me. Just, like, seeing, like, everybody reflecting, like, the 100%, like, best of their life, and I'm, like, trying to live up to everybody else, and I'm like, yeah, fuck this, I'm getting off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And also, I'm like, perhaps I'm, like, getting a little old for, like, you know, just sharing Instagram stories every day and stuff like that. Like, that's you know, how that's...
2: I feel, too. Like, I feel like so much of my life now is just, like, running errands. I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to... I'm sorry. Am I... Am I... Can... Is it okay if I curse on this? I feel like I'm... Totally oh,
0: please. Yeah. No, no. I don't... Oh,
2: yeah. God, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just like, you know, what am I supposed to, like, how am I going to make this aesthetic? Like, going to food bazaar, you know? Or, like, doing my laundry. Sure. I'm like, I'm just too busy. Right, exactly. I really feel like I'm just, like, kind of, like, too busy. But I also, like, Kudos, kudos to those who can make it happen. Like I, I just think <laughs> I'm influences. at a point in my life. Yeah, okay. yeah. Respect. Yeah, you know, respect. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds. It seems like an awful lot of work. Um, right,
3: right, right. But
2: uh, yeah. Um, but at least on TikTok, I don't have to post anything. I can just like, and I'm, I'm on like very weird parts of TikTok too. Like I love like the cleaning videos. I love mm-hmm. uh, obviously like. I kind of do mostly they use it just to see like cat videos, but um, cooking videos
0: are very satisfying. Um and yeah,
2: and yeah. you know, yeah, cats and But whatnot.
0: and I think you do raise a good point though, like what if the main curse of Instagram is that we're always jealous and we we need to see like the most perfect version of everybody's life, then what is to post in the pandemic, right? Yeah, you know, but um I guess like Exactly. yeah there's still things to get jealous about, even Limmershing, <clears throat> yeah, so
1: yeah, I'm only on Twitter now, which is hundred percent positive. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. right, nothing right. bad yeah. at all yeah. ever happens on Twitter,
0: yeah so uh-huh. far it's just wordle and uh you know I don't, I don't oh really i did my it. first yeah.
2: i did my first wordle today i didn't post it though i was i just like i needed what? to know what I is it needed to know <laughs> yeah. is this a cult
0: i, I had on know. that's what i
2: <laughs> so okay wow okay i i guess, being tagged uh, yeah no guys um, wordle so corner I'm, right now all right we're ready to indoctrinate um new oh citizens of the Wordle um, commune. Uh, And no, it's just like a word game and it's, you just guess like each of, you know, like you've seen like people post like the little blocks and if it's green, Mm -hmm. that means like you guessed a a letter Mm -hmm. in the right place and if it's yellow, you guessed a letter that is in the word, but it's in the wrong place. So it's just a word guessing game. Is it No, it's just a website. So people are literally sharing their results like you don't even need to do it to play it people are just doing it i think that's what i don't understand where it's like if you really want to play the game go like out of curiosity i did it but like once i realized like i didn't need to like i only did it after i realized i didn't need to share the results but it's uh it it can be done like uh in solitude (laughs) it can yeah
0: yeah it can you get your results
1: and you got like absolutely zero and you're like I, i'm not sharing the,
2: this yeah that's the other thing too So actually, when people post and they don't do that well i'm like you could have left it like yeah. it, it really is very I this could
0: have like, been a draft we all know Yeah, exactly <laughs> I,
2: I i find it very funny these like you know but, but like yeah. it did like i i only did it because um i just couldn't like it was maddening me a little bit to like see it yeah. all the time and just not know what it was but um, don't think I'll be really doing it again. I have yeah. the New York Times What's crossword. Right. <laughs> um, oh, I love
1: the New York Times crossword.
2: Great. Yeah. See, in that, yeah. you know, you just do it. You know, it's like, and then it yeah. plays you the little like a trumpet if you get it all right, or the little right. da 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 da. And wow, it feels very. Good. I
1: gotta get on
0: this.
2: It's good.
1: Um, so I'm already preparing the social media post in my head. Come for the souvenir, stay for the wordle. <laughs>
2: I I did draw
1: in more (laughs) listeners.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's mortal heads over here. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah. Um how do we tie this back into the souvenir? I don't know. Yeah.
0: I guess you Um, know, some folks are better at transitioning than others. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like looking at A twenty four in twenty nineteen, I think it's safe to say like they've found their footing at this point, right? It's kind of it's kind of cool because it's like we've done yeah. earlier a twenty four like Spring Breakers and The Bling Ring, when they're just starting, and now to think, in twenty eighteen when they're ending the decade, they like firmly firmly, uh, working with folks that they've worked with before like Rob Eggers and Ari Aster mm. again, um, you know, and they have things like, that's Black Man in San Francisco this year, Gloria Bell which we've done, Under Silver Lake which we've done, uh, mm. High Life you know, Uncut uh, Jams is them right Waves yeah. Uh gems, yes, which what we've done. Um yeah, I'm just looking through. Yeah, uh Strickland's in fabric, which is really underrated.
3: Oh uh, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, would you say Oh in they... the farewell. The uh, the farewell's really great. Also premiering. Oh, at the yeah, Sundance. I love that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Would you say they're bigger now than in twenty nineteen? The same or less so? I
0: would I I would say uh the same, yeah. Yeah, am trying to remember
1: what they've had this year. Uh, they did, like, Red Rocky, Zola,
0: Macbeth. Zola. Um, Macbeth, uh, so they have that deal on, with Apple on. now, right? Come on, come on, yeah.
2: Uh, part Souvenir Part 2. Souvenir Part 2, yeah. Uh, was that oh Matt God. though?
0: No, that was No, Amazon. it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, stupid. Stupid, stupid. <laughs> it feels like oh 8.4. Yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> Uh, but it's kind. Of, it's kind of interesting they say that though, because I I've, I've kind of like tried to interrogate what that means. Like it feels like yeah. an A twenty four, because like mm. you'll you'll see folks say that sometimes. It's like that makes sense and it doesn't. <laughs>
2: mm, I agree. I I. Oh my god! A twenty four also did Lamb this year.
0: Uh, um, yeah. What if there a was movie a Lamb yeah.
2: that uh, did was just okay? Um, <laughs> but so good for them they still got it in them um but yeah uh sorry just, just trying to rack my brain on a24 movies this year because i feel like i'm you see the logo all the time yeah hmm. um but I, I think that's a good point on like what does it mean for them
0: oh right the green knight no duh oh my yeah. god yeah it's, obviously it's, the duh. One, duh. it's a big one yeah um big giants get it
2: yeah Uh,
0: big Patel. Big Patel. (laughs) Big sword. Yeah. Big horse.
2: Um. Oh God. Uh. Oh yeah. Just like, and I guess like that kind of like goes to show it is like uh, what what is necessarily like the A twenty four like look if not just like uh these kind of uh just very um. Uh, what is like intentionally like uh, curated like um, aesthetics, but I don't necessarily meet, think that means that everything is the same aesthetic at all. Just that they yeah, kind of work like with filmmakers definitely who have director-driven, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I guess that in itself is a visual kind of like style.
1: But yeah. L- let me ask you this though: Do you think it's to this movie's benefit? the way in that it is distributed with a 24 where it gets the small limited theater release as opposed to let's say this was an amazon prime movie and it just dropped on prime and everybody had access to it
2: so this is perhaps a bit of like insider kind of perspective but like i was mentioning earlier my um from works at lincoln center and they were one of the theaters in new york that ran the souvenir when it part two when it released um earlier um and in 2021 and like he, he would like be working he'd be like oh wow like 50 tickets got bought for like the souvenir part two like wow it's gonna be packed and then like three to five people would show up so it's just kind of clear uh-huh. like The studio is probably like buying seats in the theater to Mm. justify it being there. But like very few people were really coming out to see it, Um, which really was unfortunate to me because I thought it was a really awesome movie. And it seemed like everybody's been talking about like, oh, like the souvenir buzz, the souvenir buzz. And it's like real people actually aren't going to see it, you know, like. And part two was,
0: I can't remember if I mentioned it, but it was announced pretty, uh, Pretty soon after, yeah,
2: after this the one came out, first, mm-hmm. And
0: in in the big, the big like got the the big get that, Joaquin Hogg had, Rob Hansen was supposed to yes! be in it, and oh. he dropped out because he had to Tenet. shoot this movie. <laughs> uh, it, he had to shoot Tenet. Yep, and um, I believe it's Joe Alwyn that replaced him. Yeah, wait, was, like, he was this...
1: supposed to be in uh in the first part two, movie? part, part two. two. Oh, part two. Yeah. Okay, but the. That doesn't make sense. He Part 2 was shooting when Tenant was shooting?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's I either think that or... Because uh, wasn't Tenant
1: supposed to come out in, like, 2020?
2: Yeah, because I think that they... Because, like, when Souvenir Part 1 came out, she was in the middle of shooting Part 2. Mm. Like, okay. At least that's what I, like, had read earlier. But, um... Or at least she, at the very least... Uh, name-dropped Tenet, saying that's why Robert Pattinson couldn't be in my movie, like in some review or another. So, like, who knows? But yeah, uh, I do remember it being like, oh, like, Robert Pattinson dropped out to do Christopher Nolan's new film or whatever. Yeah, um, and I think
0: it was the Batman that I'm thinking of that he couldn't do Claire Denis' new movie.
2: Oh, yes. I think that is very true. Yeah. Ooh. But, excited for that this year. Or yeah. whenever I that don't even know
1: Claire Denis had another one coming up.
0: And then Taron Egerton uh, replaced him, which is like, what uh, the uh, Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so odd. I believe. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I yeah. Yeah.
2: I think you're right, yeah.
1: Actually, he's pretty good. For a second, my mind went to Joel Edgerton, and I'm like... <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I, I don't really know. so different. How, yeah. Bad, yeah. <laughs> so- no patents in them. Mm. Neither of them are yeah. patents.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a shame.
0: It's a big loss. Big L. Um Yeah, what were we saying before? Oh yeah, with A twenty four. Like I don't know. Like, you know, this is like so different from waves and um you know, moonlight and uh,
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh good time. Like like they all are different from each from each other. Uh but, but yeah, you can kind of
2: yeah.
0: Similarities, I guess. Um but they're no you know similarities. who I, I They're just like a distribution see... company. It's like
3: it's know, so weird yeah. that there's so
0: much like fandom for it. Um even know, though like I I, I love know. I don't mean to like bring them down, but
1: it's interesting, I would compare this to almost like uh Neon putting out portrait of a lady on fire mm. end of 20, 2019, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It feels like maybe they're, when Neon puts something out, it gets a, a little wider distribution, mm. maybe, depending on the movie. That, that's not true. Portrait Lady on Fire was pretty hard to see for a while.
0: Yeah.
2: But also, I think that once that movie finally was able to be seen, people like flocked to see it. I feel like people were yeah. really into like, the buzz
0: was really movie exactly. Well. With this, yeah. like,
2: where did that buzz like really go to? Like with the second one, anyway, which I know like theatrically kind of I think was shoved aside at like smaller venues, like one screen, like in like five cities, like in the country kind of thing. Maybe not, mm-hmm. but like. Definitely small scales, like, in terms of theatrical. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I... But at the same time, like, probably still bigger than most Joanna Hogg movies on yeah. release, you know? So True, I guess everything's sure. relative.
0: And then I think you can kind of see A24 wanting to sacrifice this one in order to benefit the summer releases, Like The Farewell and Midsummer. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Those were both. I mean, those were both movies that, despite being super busy that year, like I definitely caught, like was excited to see. Um, And this one just kind of fell to the wayside for me, very unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I really Mm -hmm. think I would have totally loved and connected with it had I seen it upon its original release. Um, Yeah. And still, really really love it like even though i didn't get to like see it in the theater and i will say like seeing the second one in the theater was really awesome because like it really goes so much more into like that cinematic like uh landscape um and just showing like how julie's film is starting to materialize um and also just like mm. other like just works of film uh, like you see like the musical um that Richard Aguilari's characters putting on um, in part two. And I think yeah. that that like really adds to the whole, like you finally get a follow of up from, from yeah. The, from the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah. So I think the first one though, like I, I didn't necessarily feel like I missed out on a bunch, just like watching it like alone, like one night, like in my living room, like mm-hmm. lights off, like on my nice little Roku TV um, <laughs> felt very, very, uh intimate and uh was just a really lovely time like solitary cinema viewing i really like mm-hmm. that sometimes
0: yeah and, and i love the um uh this is not the first time that we've seen ayawadi in a movie that we've covered uh paddington too he's the Marmalade yes. Inspector. Oh yeah. my
2: god, yes. I just rewatched that film very recently yeah. as well. Yeah. And uh again, like, I was like, wow, like, this guy is in mm-hmm. every film that counts.
0: Did you manage to, like, talk to Letterboxd about making a six out of five star movie for Titan y- 2, or like a would, seven out of five?
2: It, it is, it must be high on the roster there. Like, right, of
0: course. Something
2: yeah. needs, something's got to give. Um, yeah. And, uh it's just it is worrisome though because you just how is Paddington three ever going to top that? How
0: is that is that this is year that happening? Yeah, it's, it's happening. It's not this yeah. year,
2: but I think it's going to be out next year.
1: Mm. But wow. I don't. I, I uh, have not seen the Paddington movies. No. But... Oh, oh yeah, my that... god.
2: I'm sorry. No, they're fan. <laughs> they really like they, Believe me, believe me. They really are as amazing as everyone says. I really yeah. stand by them. Yeah.
0: Do you believe her?
1: I do believe you. Okay. Uh, yeah. Specifically because they have Hugh Grant in them, right? The,
2: uh, Hugh Grant in the second one is like <sighs> impeccable, impeccable. Yeah, truly. Performance. It yeah, yeah, it really is. It really <laughs> is.
0: No, yeah, seriously. And uh, they um, do a
2: Sondheim song at the end as well of yeah, they, Paddington yeah, yeah. too. So Speaking I didn't know, know that. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Song to look forward to. Yeah.
0: Um. Uh, since this, Tom Burke has played Orson Welles in Mank. That's really all I can remember seeing him in. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. my God. I that did not realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, really oh, great Mank. in that, too. Um, Mank. That was yeah, also that kind was of good. maybe not yeah, autobiographical,
2: but of a film about like uh, your kind of like heritage and family a little. Sure, bit. Sure, totally. Uh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. like definitely like that kind of like indulgent. Like this is like where I come from. Like director, like right, um, his, his dad's script. Yeah. yeah, this um, is
0: this is where and, and you make a movie after it called The Killer. Uh, <laughs> <you have> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, but I just like Can that's we? called that. Um but no yeah so it's like <laughs> I think Burke is really great in this too um got a lot oh, of acclaim when this came out uh I think he plays Anthony with a lot of like like self seriousness um <sighs> mm-hmm. and, and and pretension but like mm-hmm. a lot of charm too like again like Oh you...
2: my god I know.
0: Yeah but looks
1: like he is cast in Furiosa
0: oh right yeah Yeah. I do remember hearing that.
1: excited for still a couple years away
2: no I I really love his performance and as I said like during my first watch of this I was definitely one of those people who found him so like kind of like oh my god like this guy's the worst but like this time watching it like I really like just like those little like he's so like intentional whenever he says anything And I was just really, like, um, struck by, like, things he would say, like, how he would say them. And just, like, I really got that, like, uh, just, like, aura of, like, this very, like, knowledgeable, like, important, powerful, like, guy, like, knows what he's talking about kind of thing. And again, like, it definitely is, like, a facade, but I think you can totally, like, appreciate, like, the lengths that he goes to to, like, curate, like, this persona it's, I think, really magnetic. Like, those kinds of people who, like, put on a front, like, need to, like, have that kind of charisma. (laughs) Um, And I I just, I, I like, have been thinking about this uh, all day. Like, I've just been, like, saying it to myself, like, all day. Just, like, when um, they're at the restaurant, um, and uh, she's, like, getting upset with him, I think, for bringing up the uh, previous uh, venetian trips and the lovers that he took on them and he, he was just like you're torturing yourself like stop inviting me to torture you and i just like <laughs> love the way that he says that and uh mm. just like the power of that statement um not that like it's necessarily like julie's fault that he's so like mean to her but also like why are you such like a red-willing, like, punching bag almost, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, I just, I I think that upon, like, watching it this time, like, that was a line that, when I first heard it, I, like, my jaw dropped, and I was like, oh, you fucking asshole, and now this time I watched (laughs) it, and I was like, oh, like, that has, like, a, like, nice little ring to it, like, I don't know, like, he got me on that one.
0: Mm. Yeah, and especially, um, you know, sometimes Anthony will say things to Julie, and it feels like it's an authority figure or like a, like a professor or something. And obviously just to like shift the power dynamic in his favor.
2: Yeah. And I, I think it's like really, really clear in this film that she also struggles like so much with, and it probably must be like her like kind of posh upbringing, but like going against like those kinds of figures of authority in any meaningful way. And I think that's why she, you know, feels, like, uh, so pressured to, like, make this film that she's working on and so pressured to be, like, this, you know, loving uh, or maybe not even loving but just, like, overly accommodating partner, you know what I mean? And uh, it's just really interesting, like, the kind of, like, people pleaser – syndrome um which I think like a lot of us can relate to and just like seeing that so starkly and seeing that so removed from like any uh interior thought of like well you know I'm just gonna make this like easier for everyone it's like is it really easier to like just succumb like bend over like for any sort mm-hmm. of uh just uh, request you know yeah
0: yeah, and the, and like the the ultimate irony is like making it easier. It's just like is truly unsatisfying for yeah for uh, Julie. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I was kidding.
1: By the way, I just want to correct us from earlier because I just checked this. Uh, their age gap is a little more pronounced than we thought. Uh, Tom Burke is 16 years older than Honor Swinton. Um, wow. So.
2: Isn't it true that she was like 19, 18, or 19? No more than 20 when she started filming this, right?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's like 24, or 25 right now. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: So he would have been like 35.
2: Oh my yeah. god. So that there is... is a
1: bit of a power dynamic there for sure. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
2: Yeah
0: yeah and it feeds into the movie like how how drastic that is
2: and also i just think like even from like the actor's perspective this obviously being like honors first uh film role like acting and obviously tom burke being a much more seasoned actor and just like also having that like kind of insecurity being like i really don't don't know like maybe what i'm doing like i know honors swinton Byrne in a few interviews said that like even like joanna hogg i think said like you could like really sense like her uh just like um unease like getting into the role a little bit and i think that probably is if not reflected probably something that was uh kind of a uh mind like from that like real life uh experience of being thrust in this, like, new environment with people who might, like, know what they're doing better than you, which I think Anthony is always trying to, like, butt into her, um, just, like, uh, thoughts and opinions and, like, trajectory, like, when it comes to being a filmmaker, so I think that's obviously a really interesting dynamic as well, just feeling like everybody around you, like, knows so much better than you, or maybe if they don't, like, at least they should act like it.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, totally. Yeah. And I love that I love that Anthony is is always trying to put on this this way of thinking to, to Julie but yet um it's never it's never checking in like if she wants that. It's always like putting on to her without uh, recognition.
2: Or it's also it's also almost like she'll say something and then like he'll immediately be like no, you should do this instead. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like kind of like uh being this like figure that's supposed to be like maybe like seen as like some sort of man. but also just never really uh, interacting with her ideas in a real way it's more like uh, projecting his own ideas onto like her work and taking it like having her kind of imploring her to like take it from there you Mm -hmm. know
0: and then bring up some questions of authorship like you Mm -hmm. know if if all this feedback is coming through other people and and Mm -hmm. it's like Julie who's making it then who's really going to be the the creator you know exactly totally Yeah. Um, anything anywhere else that we want to cover?
2: If we could
1: probably start wrapping up, getting the final scenes here. Favorite sure. scenes, yeah. I mean. Um, I was trying to think earlier. Favorite scene. This is kind of like a weird movie for that distinction. Um, I guess a moment. That stood out to me um, was when Anthony and Julie are, like having lunch, and she calls him out, like, "Are you on something right now?" And he's like, "No, no." Like he he is totally uh, in denying that he would be, and she's like, "You don't seem like yourself right now." Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, "Well, you don't you don't know me that well to like know." whether I'm being myself or not and she's like yeah I think I do I just found that whole dynamic like very interesting
0: yeah um, yeah and, and it's like and kind of reflects that moment when he's like you may not think that I'm well but I am doing well I just don't look it and it's like it just means you're not doing well <laughs> it's like you fix nothing yeah. um yeah. you know I yeah I, I can't relate. Really, I've never really known or uh, met anybody that's going through like Anthony struggles, but Mm -hmm. it's almost like you don't really take pity on Anthony because it's like, he just doesn't feel emotionally, um, like torn down. He's just like keeping up this composure the entire time. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. how can I feel sorry for you if you're not sorry for yourself? But then again, it's, it's like, that's just like the movie. It's not really about like his struggles. It's more like always Julie's point of view. Um, Mm
2: -hmm. yeah, I think the only place that really changes even though it still is her point of view but like you kind of see like how immensely like destructive and painful what anthony's going through is is the scene where um he's like back in her apartment and then like she just wakes up and he's like going through like very like violent like withdrawal and mm-hmm. it's just like screaming and like you see like he has like puke and like blood all over himself like really like the first time that you see him like uh, so removed from that uh, person who was all like dignified and so uh, reserved and, you know, strong and just ever in control. You know what I mean? So, for sure. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I totally, yeah, that um, is uh, maybe like the one instance in the film where uh, his addiction and her relationship to it is like uh, a little bit. Outside of just like how it's affecting her.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Do you, Do you have a favorite scene in mind?
2: I um.
0: If you want to have minutes of thinking about it, you can always. I can go first.
2: Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Um. Actually, you go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> probably once you see them in be- in the bedroom, and it's like that argument about like. How much of the bed they're taking over it's yeah. that's always mm-hmm. like very well done like comic timing from both of them and like mm-hmm. burke is so like as serious as like you know doing taxes or whatever like this is like the most important thing in the world um right now and just like the amount of, like the stuffed animal wall uh, that's going to yeah. be built in the middle it's like <laughs> oh and then i think it's when they go to venice and it's like the same thing that, uh, mm. that they run into it's like where did the wall go? Where are the barriers? And it's like you know, mm-hmm. of course, you could read that into a uh, a metaphor for the relationship. Like, where yeah. are the barriers set up? Like that they have to then reconcile with or
2: whatever. Yeah. But you came closer to me and took up more of the bed, and you're already, I would say, further over than I am.
3: That's not true.
2: It is true.
3: No, it's not. I haven't got you that have much. You have bed dysmorphia. And <laughs> you then you accuse me of? I wasn't trying to cross any sort of threshold. <laughs> I have not got that much room. You've got a foot on that
0: side,
1: That's and not I literally
0: I'm
2: on a ledge.
0: Um yeah like also, you have yeah. I'm on a ledge like and that was that was a big moment in the trailer I remember um, oh,
2: I I I love that scene as well it's mm. like one of the only like and also like the film like never leaves you without like any reason as to why like she could find like uh you know a decent like relationship or at least want to like do like pursue something with Anthony like that moment just feels mm-hmm. like one of those like very like intimate moments of like forging a connection with someone that seems yeah. so small and yeah. insignificant but it's like a very like uh touching like moment of just mutual like almost like glee and also like poking fun at one another and i think it's really mm-hmm. well done
0: yeah and it's like that thing in codependency that you have to be so comfortable with with someone that your even your arguments are charming and mm. it's like they're they're like non-threatening uh, in a playful way, I guess, um, and yeah, it's like that, and, and also like a scene that I was really close to picking um, when they actually go to visit the souvenir, like the painting, uh, and, and like their differing views on it are always like uh, pretty emblematic of who they are as individuals and why yeah. they do and don't work as as a partnership.
2: I was just mm-hmm. going to say, I think yeah. like when you put me on the spot, that was definitely going to be my scene that I oh, picked. Yes. I love that scene. And I, I, I think a lot of people after seeing that film became quite interested in the uh, very small painting that they discuss the souvenir. Um, and uh, also like I'd been looking into the, um, cause it's a painting that's based off of a novel um, which is called hmm. Julie so that's where the protagonist gets her name from uh, like and, the Leo
0: meme like
2: yeah uh huh yeah. and um
0: that's the souvenir like when it shows up yeah that's the
2: souvenir <laughs> um uh and oh, that's chappy. um and uh just yeah um i i i really love that scene i think like i also love that scene because um the film gives you like so little to work on outside of this like kind of like memoir like kind of like meta film memoir and then like you have like one not just one but like then two like solid pieces of art that you can like see uh translated and worked with in the film as well and taken inspiration from and i just think it's very cool to see these you know um facets of art and literature that are also drawn upon and it kind of reminds you that it like even every piece of art as you know authentic as we say it is to our experiences like it also in itself is affected by other pieces of art um Mm -hmm. so i i love that scene too and obviously the uh just profound uh uh distillation of like the essence of both of their characters and that uh julie sees the painting of julie and thinks that she looks sad and anthony thinks that she's you know determined and um i think that you could also obviously read that in so many different ways. Is that how, you know, Julie sees herself versus how Anthony sees Julie, or maybe they want to like swap those perspectives or eventually do. And um, I I think it's just um, really like beautiful piece of uh, like, commentary and criticism like on art like as it pertains to these very small moments of like our lives and it's like like a stark
0: reminder that every art has an artist behind
2: it yeah exactly 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 and obviously that works so powerfully with this film in particular um and also i think does a decent amount of foreshadowing um and You know, those kinds of, like, moments in time where you realize you're looking at something or feeling something or thinking about something and then, like, it's uncannily, like, replicated in your life, like, weeks or months or years later, you know? Yeah. I think, yeah. So. And we
0: commented on on just the uh, um, production of the movie a little earlier and, you know, them commenting on an oil painting is sort of like the movie calling attention to itself that that this thing is shot like an oil painting. Yes. Exactly. It's, it's just like so you know luscious um pretty ravishing um yeah yeah, yeah great movie uh thanks for bringing it to us
2: yeah thank yeah. you for having thank me you. this is very fun yeah. discussion yeah got um, where, a few tangents but
0: uh where can everybody find you it's through if you'd like to promote anything plug any work that you have out recently
2: um i'm on twitter at Natalia Kiyogan,
0: Regret regretfully, right?
2: Yes, regretfully. I actually, yeah. yes, I. It it is um something I have been forced to maintain, and um, I uh, I regularly write in Pace um, Magazine, and I'll be covering Sundance from for them. If anybody's interested in that, nice. Yeah, nice.
0: Looking forward to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Any anything you're looking forward to most in Sundance pre uh, coverage? Let's see oh. if any of these come true. That souvenir part
2: three. Yeah. Oh <laughs> Let's get it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh God. Uh. I. I have um. A pretty. It's full... like Boyhood.
0: Like every every few or the before trilogy. Like every few years, you like fall Julie. Like,
2: yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I. I. I've got a few things that I'm covering, and I don't know if I want to spoil what I'm feeling on any of those yet, just in case I end up looking like a jackass later. But um, I uh, will say that um, I am always at Sundance, I love looking forward to all of um, the weirder horror selections. And I feel like there are quite a few this year um that are not only just directed by uh women and non-binary folks as they were last year but i'm seeing a lot of women of color represented in this year's horror slate and i'm really looking forward to digging into those and quite a few spanish language selections as well one horror film that i would be very excited to see um is piggy which is a spanish language film directed by a woman very excited for that horror yeah
0: yeah i think there's one uh for, uh, that stars Rebecca Hall. I'm trying to think. It's mm, that's a master. Or... Master.
2: Okay, it is yeah. right. I'm pretty it's sure. Way off. Um,
0: Who knows? Uh, we haven't seen these.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, know. it is master.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or no, that's Regina Hall. Uh, um...
2: Yeah, Rebecca Hall's one wow. who did wow. passing just now. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, wow. I know. I'm like way, all these, all these names, all these film titles, everything is boring. I'm thinking and boring. of
0: resurrection. I'm, that's when. I, that's what I was looking forward to.
2: Oh yes yes,
0: wow, okay,
2: um <laughs> yep, yeah so...
0: very different people um there we go, <laughs> yeah, what was the one that I had in mind there was um uh there's the new Riley Kearns movie, uh mm-hmm. Art of defense, yeah, but yeah, you know, like there's always you know, kind of like twenty nineteen Sundance with like the farewell or um you know, like twenty seventeen Sundance with come by your name, there's always a few that rise to the top and like have a lot of oh, yeah. commotion. So I'm just curious, like which ones will be.
2: Yeah. I, I honestly, um, I, I don't know if I saw anything from this year that's going to be like, I don't know, but obviously it's all just getting in the works. I might see something that like totally blows me away.
0: For but... you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well at Jack A Draper. Um, my writing on film is available at the Boston Hassle, as well as my own personal medium. Uh, this movie is available right now at Showtime and Canopy and Hoopla, Bevio places, uh, for, for me at least. And there could be others that I'm, <laughs> I'm not aware of um, or subscribe to. Next week we have uh, the folks from Kansai Kick It? Podcasts: Jesse, Catherine Weber, and Colin Hatchday, and we'll be doing 2012's "The Clouds of Sills." Maria, very excited for that. Yes. I've not seen it in quite a while. Olivier, good yeah. yeah, yeah, good one. Yes, pro. Ethan uh, Case, two? We, lots of Case Two talk. I'm, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, can find me on Letterboxd and Twitter at T-Money Talks where uh, I will not be playing Wordle um, <laughs> or any weird gimmicks. Th- that's cruel. It's gimmicks. not a gimmick. But <laughs> no scams. No scams <laughs> for T-Money. Oh, nothing. Yeah, no, but just doing the usual stuff in 2022. Yeah watching more Scream movies uh, are you going to watch the MTV TV show I will not be watching the MTV Scream Uh, (laughs) although I've heard it's not terrible but yeah Emma Roberts
0: I think as the one of the stars
1: yeah Mm -hmm. um but no I'm looking forward to that hanging out looking forward to the episode next week um And when does Sundance start? I will not Uh, be...
2: The
0: 20th. The 20th, yeah.
1: Okay. Cool, busy times. Uh, Well, thank you all so much for listening. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at ETTpod. And you can follow us on Instagram at Exiting2010s. Where our posts will not bring down your mental health. Uh, positivity only. Oops. So. J- Jack just cringed. So maybe you no, never know. no. I, I, now I'm thinking like, have I brought down someone's mental health? Oh, God, yeah. Like, I look
0: back at the fucking Razzie series. Like, what, what was that all about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Got to reflect so who we've had. Yeah, yeah. God damn it.
1: Uh, You can email us at exitingthroughthe2010s at gmail.com, and we will catch you next time on Exiting Through the 2010s.